going through festivities, and every time it's different. We think that we got everything together, uh, or the mechanics together, but it's the mechanics is mechanics, but the heart's being changed and touched. So the the thing that I want to say is like uh, this prison is very infested with uh, uh, Islamic faith. Okay. And so we have to break through that. And many of these guys have willfully has become um, Muslims uh, inside that facility. And several of the guys in that room were Muslims. And so when I put Ray in the morning, you know, those guys were very vocal that, uh, on their faith, right? But still, there was a one guy who raised his hand and gave his life to Christ, you know. So we were very pleased in the morning to see that change. That one soul uh, and that one person is why God placed us in that place, you know. But here's what they did that even more attached to me is that uh, they, there, there is no one place that they can put this team together and be safe. And so they evacuated the entire dorm and then they gave that dorm to us, right? And they want to make sure nobody sees from outside and they blocked with the papers to just like a, so nobody can see through to that room. And they felt like if they kept us in this part of the prison, that we will be much secured. So that's why instead of taking to their chapel and things like that, which is very small, tiny, they gave us this entire place for us to work with. They know we need to put the popcorn machine and cotton candy machines and all these games and everything needs to happen. But can you imagine the prison taking that much of measure and make this day happen for us? That was all the officers and all the staff, and they were serving with such tender heart. Mm-hmm. You know, and no, I mean, in the afternoon, and we were praying for the people that needed to be forgiven. And at one point, I opened my eyes, and I see this long line of officers and staff standing in that line to put their, um, you know, people's names. You know, the thing is, this room, especially this room, has a table, like a dining table where the food is served, but they have two rings on the table. Why? Because they want to chain their hands to the table and give enough room for them to put the food in their mouth. And I said this to them morning at the five thirty call as well. Sometimes when we come out of a room like that and go to a Sunday morning like this, it's it's really hard to get to that normalcy. To know that these guys are treated like animals in that place is just not something that we can actually consume um, that lifestyle. And one of the guys had a twin baby, and this baby is only like a three or four months old. And this guy looked very tough in the morning, 
and um, you know, I'm sure he's, uh, you know, his fate is definitely playing into it. Um, but the moment he saw those babies, he broke down in tears. Uh, I haven't. I was not on the other side to watch that. I was on the back of him, but I was told he was just completely broke. And then when we asked him to wash his baby's feet, it took him nearly 10 minutes to just like a stop crying. He was just like everybody in the room was crying around him. You know, I was there trying to hold the baby so that he can wash the feet of his baby, but he wasn't ready. And this is what also touched me. Later, he had a chance to sit down with Jane. And he has told her, nobody actually told me this is what the life will be inside the prison. If I had known it, I don't know whether my life will be like that. And, and the thing is that that, that He's almost like when I see him, he's probably Shruti's age. And what I was told yesterday is that nine out of ten guys in that room will not make it out to see the daylight outside the prison. There is only one guy who has a faint chance to come out of prison. The rest of them is going to spend their remainder of their life in the prison. Can you imagine what that means? There was one kid actually came from Mexico. Right? Her mother. Her mother. No, no, no. There was a little girl. They came from Texas. Yeah. So, but she doesn't speak Spanish or... They were originally from... uh, uh, yeah, something like that. Somewhere other than, yeah. So they're not. I, I I cannot even imagine this guy comes from another country, gets arrested in this country, and spending his lifetime in prison. Right. And that baby girl is just like a five or six, and she's just like a, running around, and you know, all of these children were so happy. Yeah. So happy in that room. That should have been a norm. And later, um, the officers, especially the lady who coordinated everything, Amy LaFleur, came and said, can you do this one more time before the ear gets over? Because they were, they were touched so much that they want to see this happen one more time in that facility. And uh, so we will do it. I don't know the date. I don't know, you know, whether we have any open dates, uh, you know, till the rest of the year, but we will find room to go there. And also the prison has opened the doors. This is this is where I think Proverbs 2 to 6 is going to go from here. There is no interest for me to take a lot of new prisons, but to deepen the relationship of the prisons that we have. Um, I'm not saying we will not go to other prisons. We will absolutely across the country. We're going to go. But 
wherever we go, we want to have a deepened footprint in that facility. What happened yesterday has just changed the perspective of these officers. And yeah, sorry. Sorry, can I add one more thing? Yes. It was just kind of occurred to me, like we were sitting here talking about it, and I forgot to mention it. But when we left, like you said, they had kind of separated us from the population in that room. They covered the windows and they closed it off to separate us from and keep us safe. But they couldn't contain what was happening in that room because it went into the officers and the staff, and it also went in the population when they took the, the covering off the windows. The other prisoners were listening. They were watching, and they could not, like God was penetrating that room oh, and that prison. It, like we were separated from them, but they were not separated from God. God was was moving outside that room. Absolutely, absolutely. And um, this is a very, um, very crucial spot where this prison is. We have to know, like, a little bit of history behind this prison. This prison has been in this place since 1884, right? And when we were coming out, there was a tunnel through which everybody came out of that prison. And the tunnel's been there for over 140, 50 years now. And uh, you can see the solid structure behind this was built in 1884. You can tell the solidness of that. This is not like a, um, you know, a cardboard uh, with the wood behind it. This is like a solid stone building, right? And it it stands the time. You cannot see a crack anywhere. These guys, they know this is going to stay as a prison, right? But what I believe very strongly is that uh, God tear one stone at a time from that prison, just like how he brought the walls of Jericho, this prison will definitely come down because uh, this is the prison where they have death row inmates, rows and rows and rows of death row inmates, and that the prison doesn't know how to kill these guys. And so the state of North Carolina hasn't decided whether to electrocute them or inject them. And so they've been sentenced to be executed, but they're sitting there. And there is this huge mosque, a Muslim mosque next to it. And the prison staff said, those, it, I, I'm, I'm absolutely, I know this is getting recorded, I'm absolutely not against the Islamic faith or the, the, the brothers, um, you know, of that faith. My only cry is actually, why is church not feeling this burden to break down the walls of this prison? And so I'm going to, See, I think, you know, I think what God is going to see through as well uh, is that he's going to break that chain of bondage for these guys. And that's what's going to happen, you know. And we're seeing that, you know, um, the, 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 the strongholds are going to get broken. I, I really want those guys to come as well. 
because I heard those guys come every week dedicatedly to come and speak to these guys. If they can believe in their salvation so much, why is the church not believing that? You know, it's it's just like a, um, the the kids in that room were so blessed. Uh, some of these kids, um, one family, it took him took him more than forty five minutes to finish washing his the feet of these children. He had like a eight kids, and right before this is something that I got introduced yesterday. And I think it worked out really well, and we're going to look at a lot of things that we introduced yesterday, fresh and new. I pulled all the fathers alone into the room, and I had a heart-to-heart conversation with them, talking about what that afternoon means. You know, and they took it so beautifully into that room. And so... In the morning, you have so many games and everything happening. They forget the crucial part of the day, which is to heal that child that has taken time to be there. And they did an amazing job. And the kids, like what Miss Anita said, were so joyful, true. But by the time they gone through that washing of the feet, they will never be the same. Those children will never be the same. And I also like the fact that we moved the birthday celebration to the end because this lightens their heart before they leave the facility rather than just with that heaviness of heart. You know, it just lightens them um, and then spend that 20 minutes. So really, overall, it was just an amazing day. I know it took a long time to talk about this, but... uh, uh, I think, uh, you know, as a church, this is what we, we have in common, which is to go after what breaks the heart of our Father. Sorry, we took a lot of time, but, uh, you know, uh, any thoughts, uh, any praises on the line? Um. I'm just so thankful that all of you all are going in there, and I miss it so bad. I'm, I'm, as soon as I feel better, I'm going to start um, start back full force. But um, I've not been well. Um, they finally found out what's wrong. And um, I see a surgeon Monday morning. I'm probably, you know, I'm going to be okay. So, um I found out my problem, so we will, I will join you all probably in about six weeks. How's that sound? So, um, yes, I miss you all very much, very, very much. Amen, amen. We needed as many hands as we could get yesterday. Uh, yeah, you know, we were working, like everybody to the bones like a, Steve and uh, Anita, nobody had like a, this is a fresh new team of people inside the prison. There were like a few knew what's going on, but majority of them were fresh and new. And they, they really want to sit down and soak that room. We are saying, no, 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 
you don't have time to sit down. You know, come on over. You have to do this and you have to do that, you know. Yes, yes, yes. But that's a place that I've always actually wanted to go because of the history of the um, prison. Um, I've yeah. always wanted to go in there. But, I, you know, God will make the way. And God. We'll... Yeah, yeah, God's timing. God's timing, Miss Collette. Right, Don't right, worry. Right. You're carrying your mantle. Right, right, right. Um, but I'm just so grateful for y'all. And Lori, just... It's just so wonderful that you're with the caregivers and mm-hmm. sharing with them um, what you know what your knowledge is, and it's just beautiful. It's beautiful. And Sarah, I just yeah. appreciate you so much for everything that you're doing. Mm-hmm. God gives mm-hmm. the strength, mm-hmm. the ability, and the wisdom, mm-hmm. and the the journey. This is a journey. Mm-hmm. And um. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's wonderful. Another thing that we introduced, another thing that we introduced yesterday, so sorry, one quick thing, is that uh, we asked the the kids to write down what do they want to become? And then, uh, you know, we asked the kids to write down what they want to become, what they want to do with their life. And then we pulled over that and then handed that to their fathers so they can actually start to pray over them every day for their children. And so, um, you know, so the dads have an assignment. Dads have an assignment to go through. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Because it's just beautiful that they have a, a passion to um to even dream about what they want to do, you know? Then we are yeah. blessed to be in a country that you can be anything you want to be. Yeah. You don't yeah. have to be, you know, you can do anything you want to do. Anything Amen. you want to do and that's it's just a blessing. It's a blessing. This is Katina. Um I was just gonna pass this here, thank you and um Everyone that spoke and gave your um, your perspectives and recap from yesterday. Um, I just wanted to also um, mention that you know God is a mighty God, you know, and He takes care of every detail. He leaves nothing untouched what? at all. And you know, and I think about the days when the Charlie's Angels were um, God's angels. I think my dad named them God's angels. Were um, uh, uh, Miss Sarah and my mom and and Colette used to go and they would travel the roads and they would go to these prisons and they were doing the things that Miss Lori and others are doing right now. I think about those days and then I think about exactly where you're at right now. And because God says that there's a, the word says that there's a time and a place and there's a season for everything, God even takes care of those seasons when you can, and then he even takes care of those seasons when you cannot. And just think about, you know, if there wasn't a Lori now, you know, if there wasn't an Anita now, you know, for a time when, you know, the original three, 
um, you know, would, would not be available to, to be there, right? You know, Miss Sarah, she's mm-hmm. got, you know, her grandkids, and she's got other things going on, and she's no longer able to, to be there. And, you know, Miss Paulette, you've got some health issues that's causing you to not be able to be there. My mom, the same. But God raised up the Lorries. He raised up the Anitas. He raised up the other people that were going to be able to come in behind the ones that one day, a season, that they wouldn't be able to do it. And I just give him glory today. I give him honor and praises today that he takes care of all the details. And I remember one time, Pastor Cheryl, when you did a study on, I think we were talking about the different pieces in the armor of God, and we were talking about the different equipment and everything. And when you got to the sword, you started breaking down, you know, what happens during, what, what would happen when those guys were in war in biblical times and how there were different lines of people, right? And you had a different type of sword depending on where your position was in the line. And so everybody has a position. Everybody has a sword that they have to pull up and to even cover the ones in the front that are going out and they're on the enemy line, on in the enemy's camp. They're, with the ones behind them are actually protecting and covering the ones that are going out. So we can't forget that our position is just as important as the person's position when you're texting and you're letting us know that you guys are getting ready to leave and please pray. That's position. We're getting in position. You know, so I just give him the honor, praise, and the glory for just everybody's peace, everybody's involvement in this, even the ones that go in and the one that's left behind that is actually in position, lifting up, covering, praying. It's our prayers that are actually breaking down walls, breaking down, softening hearts, that's actually mending. It's just, I just think about this just holistically. And, God, we thank you. We thank you. Taking care of all the details. Yeah. Amen. 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 I mean, Amen. you're absolutely right, Miss Katina, because mm-hmm. wherever we go, God is raising up an army there. Yes. Um, we were there in Texas, and this this church called Munger Church. They stepped in, and they were rallying behind this. Right. We went to Virginia. It's JC3 that stepped in, and they were rallying behind it. We come to Raleigh, Living Word is jumping in and rallying behind it. So I think what we are doing also, um, without our knowledge, we are actually uniting the church. Oh, yes, amen. Amen. We're actually uniting the church under this, um, you know, vision that God has placed in our heart in this journey. And uh, the guy, like uh, yesterday, his name is uh, Jason, and uh, he has served inside the prison, right? And he has such a heart for this mission. And he's like, uh, you know, I want to do this, I want to do that. So we gave him the microphone and just let him do what he would do. And his heart is just like, a, it's like what Miss Sarah says, living life to the fullest till it overflows. And it's just like it was overflowing from the sky, Miss Katina. I mean, it's just amazing. Yes, it is. And God is amazing. You know, you just, I sometimes just sit back and chuckle and laugh <laughs> because <laughs> 
we worry for nothing. You know, I remember, you know, back when, you know, um, we were having the calls and we were, you know, preparing for Leith and Trenton and, you know, all of those with Piedmont and all those different. And, and I remember you saying, we're going to have to, we, we need these local churches to get behind us and, and get behind us um, and, and support us in this because, we need all the hands that we can get, you know, and um, God answered the prayer. Really, he did. He yeah. did. And, that, yeah. uh, you know, I was very pleased at the church. In the morning, some of the people were telling that, that, you know, they cannot come into the prison because, uh, um, you know, their name wasn't there, and uh, they didn't know how to sweep And uh, I can tell their faces were not pleasant uh, to just to take that. But I think during the day, God used each and every one of them. And I heard, like, by the time I came back, I heard that uh, it was a beautiful service. Like the whole day service, it was just so beautiful, and that uh, they were so uh, happy. Even those people that could not come, they were happy. They made connections with every single person. And like I said, there there was there was a reason. Why they, they did not that, yeah. They didn't go to they, I I don't think they could even question why they were there. Yeah. They they knew that by the end of the day. They had to be there. God put them there. You could see the difference. That's one because the three ladies, you could see their faces like he sent past zero. But I was like, well, Lord's here, you know. Sorry, can't go. I hope you come in next time. And I said, go grab the shirt. You know, you're still volunteered. I'm sure she didn't need you. And then when we came back, they were happy and they were still there. Yeah. For a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Amen, amen. Any other praises, thoughts before we get into the word today? I came on late because I'm preparing for um to go into church this morning, but um I just thank God Proverbs two two six because you know <clears throat> when I was involved with all the going in the prisons and stuff, I realized that a lot of those events weren't just for the family, it was for us. I can remember going in and being so burdened down and when those praise um, praise dancers would worship and I would just cry my heart out and Miss Collette would just come in patting me on the shoulders and and um those times were for me, you know. And um and I also remember, you know, even though some of the officers or some of the people in the um, some of the seals and stuff, you know, they try to give us a hard time, you know, at the end of the day, you never know their testimony. You know, they had a testimony of, of their families being in prison and, you know, this one, one, um, Assistant Warden, she told us when we were in in, um, in McCormick how her dad died in prison. You know, you never know their testimony. But Proverbs 226 is just not for the 
families and the caregivers and the children and the inmates is for the is for the COs and the and the um assistant warden, you know. Trenton um Miss Freeman told us that her dad when um she was a little girl, her dad went to prison, you know. So they have a they have a heart for Proverbs two two six. And I just thank God for that because it's everywhere and it's touching everybody and it's growing and it's just excelling and it's going from state to state and I just thank God for what he's doing, you know. I thank God for what he's doing. I miss going in there. I miss going in there so much. But I'm glad for the people that are, you know, taking the lead now like Miss Cox, like like Miss Lori and um, Anita and all the volunteers now, you know, the team that is behind Cyril, you know, because when I came on board, another team left. You know, there's always a team that's behind us, you know. Yep. And Laurie and, you know, and that team, you know, even though, you know, Miss Sarah and Colette and I, you know, we're not going in, into the prisons now, um, but there's a team coming behind us. God always sent another team to take our place and to just elevate and do what he needs to, you know, needs to do. And I just thank God for that. Amen. Our prayers are, are answered. The Lord is letting us see the prayers that we've prayed over those Friday nights and uh, yeah. just uh, riding in the car. He's showing us. He's letting us, he's allowing us to see. We pray that he would raise up uh, Christians that will be bold to stand for him, and we're seeing it. We prayed for those prison workers and and just hearing about the hearts of them now, where they are dancing with the children in the, um, in the prison and where they are um, just um, doing everything that needs to be done um, showing up, showing their their uh, weaknesses and that they need the Lord too. Those prayers are prayers that are answered that we have prayed and and um, no matter what we are prayer warriors and we will forever be there. And the Lord is so wonderful to let us see our prayers that are being answered. I'm just praising the Lord, and I know Carlette is probably using some. Toilet paper by now, and Brenda too. <laughs> so <laughs> you have to remember. And Steve, you needed some toilet paper yesterday too. I know you were in that prison crying and and was trying to be that strong man. But next time you go in, just go to the bathroom first, get some toilet paper, put it in your pocket so you can wipe your face real fast, so nobody knows you're really crying. But. <laughs> I have on some mascara this morning, and I always get the waterproof. And I tell those ladies that are getting ready to go in, if you're going to wear mascara, put on some waterproof. And, of course, this morning, I'm I'm ready for a church already, except i got to put my shoes on. But I had to put some tissue, and it wasn't toilet paper. I had to put some tissue around these eyes because, thank God, for waterproof mascara, just hearing about the blessings of the Lord. 
We are mighty, mighty blessed. And just keep telling it. Be bold to tell how how wonderful God is. And I have to stop talking because Cyril will put up an emoji to say, really, Miss Sarah, you still going? <laughs> have a great day. I'm going to be listening to y'all as I journey on to church. Um, I'm going to pick up Miss Poinsett possibly. Today is our Youth Sunday, and um, we are honoring the youth that are part of our church from ages 42 on back down. So I think that's a blessing. And they're giving us lunch. And Miss Miss Barbara German, who's a part of our church, my church, uh, she and her, um, another lady, they're uh, preparing the, the meal for us today, for all of us in church. And so, and she's the head of the youth program. So I give God glory for her today. And she's one of our prayer warriors. She continuously prays for this ministry and and a specific child uh, also. So praise the Lord. I'm just giving them glory. Thank the Lord. Amen. 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 To the word, um, you know, uh, let me mute the line. Ready. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before your throne of grace this morning. God, our hearts are filled with the gratitude this morning. God, there is nothing more pleasing for us to spend this day like this with you. God, I just pray that the next um, half hour that we get a chance to just like do this uh, union with you, Father God, speak to us, speak to our hearts today. Help us, Father God, to know what exactly you want to speak. God, deal with us. We're open for you, Father God. In Jesus' name, I pray, Father, for your glory. Amen. Amen. So the we are in this series called Let's Begin Cleaning, right? So um, as we start to clean, I know Ms. Sarah talked to me this week. Once you've finished, like, a cleaning up the outside and kept everything intact, you need to now go down deeper to clean more stuff. I remember the time when I came here into this country. Um, uh, it was just like a one suitcase uh, and uh, uh, with the clothes that were there were like a borrowed clothes in that suitcase coming here in 93. And even after a year uh, of like, a, you know, um, living here, went home, uh, got married, brought Jay over, and our house was just like, uh, you know, uh, with furniture that were mismatched to furniture. Whoever, I mean, we could get it from like, a, you know, a, um, Goodwill or a, we would get it from a friend that's leaving the town. We don't care whether it is a brown color or a green color. We just have a couch. You know, we have like a chair to sit on or like a table to uh, eat, right? Fast forward 29 years, we have accumulated so much of junk uh, in this uh, house that we're living in. Like, uh, you have, like, uh, now these furniture have to be matching the color of the room. And, uh, you know, even the, the things that we have are so much accumulation of stuff, right? And, um, and the thing is that... Uh, um, 
when we look back, you know, we always think like, oh, I want to clean my house. Sure, you want to clean. But the thing is that you're so careful not to clean out the stuff that you really don't want in the house, but you still leave them. You actually bypass them. You know, it's almost like a Passover. Like a, you, <laughs> you pass over that stuff that is there in your house, you know. Why? Because, you know, even though we have this big aspiration, I want to clean this place, you know, the magnitude of that aspiration produces when you see that stuff, there is like a memory. I want to keep this memory, right? The, the, the thing is that sometimes our heart also goes through the same stuff, right? Over a time, not immediately, over a time, we also start to put stuff in our heart. We stuff them in there. Like when people do something good, we want to keep them for sure. But then when people do something wrong to us, like when they betray us, when they say something, right, somehow, just like all these stuff that we have in the house right now, this, mis, uh, you know, this, um, you know, toys uh, and this, sentimental knickknacks that we have in our house today, the same way we also have a sentimental knickknacks in our heart that is stuffed inside, right? If we are honest with ourselves, we actually will go and not do, you know, a Passover of that, right? We will actually pull that out and have a, a, a chance to... Um, this week, for some reason, I'm somehow attracting these guys who have this knickknacks stuffed in their heart. And this guy is just like, you know, I'm talking to him. He's pouring out all the junk from his heart. And, uh, you know, this this is like, a, you know, I'm just listening to the the stuff that is just like a bothering him. I did this. I went to here to the doctor. That he throws things like testosterone and all kinds of stuff. You know, I'm just like a, it's just like a going above my head. You know, and uh, I, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, but it, it was almost like a God was ministering to me. Even I don't know whether I was ministering to this guy. He was ministering to me to say, like this message that we are dealing with, which is we have to go to those parts of our heart and pull that out so that God can work with it. You know, we have to be honest in this decluttering uh, of this stuff, the misunderstanding, the betrayal, right? If we don't take them out, those are like a babies. We start actually nurse these babies these newborn babies are getting nursed and nursed and nursed. And over a period, this bitterness is just like it grows in our heart, right? And it just hangs up. I, I remember one time I walked into my daughter's room, and uh, uh, this was like a long time ago. I, I don't know whether she has grown out of it, right? But I pulled the, the, the clothes off of that, you know, closet, and the color of the carpet was different. The clothes was there for so long. The color of the carpet looks a little different for me, you know. We do that to ourselves, you know. We don't take and deal with them. 
And, and my prayer is that next to four to six weeks, that's what I want us to do. I want us to go to those kind of places, right, and be honest. We have to be honest with ourselves when we do the decluttering of our hearts, right? They, they, sometimes it's like the memories that we don't want to uh, get rid of. Sometimes it's like uh, the guilt. Sometimes it's the sin that we are clinging on to and not letting go, right? The thing is, like, we will never, we will never, you know, trip over a mountain. We'll always trip over a stone. We would have done everything right. And this one small thing, one little tiny bit of thing that we don't want to get rid of, you know? And that's what we would trip over. That's what we are feeding. And this lady named Jennifer Kennedy Dean, he, she wrote this book called Living a Praying Life. Right? In that, he says, like, uh, you know, our job is to allow the Spirit of God <clears throat> the access he needs to each of our hearts so he can cleanse them of debris. A lot of times what we do is we want to clean, but we leave debris all over the heart, you know, that needs to be cleaned up as well. It's like, you know, some people who have this OCD, when they clean, they'll come and they will swipe the, the window to see if there is any dirt on them. We need to do that part. We just leave, you know, it's not for the check mark. That's what we're going to see. I mean, we're not going to put a check mark on this. Every time we pick a subject, we're going to go after the subject really deep, right? And so, that clutter in our heart throws off the acoustics of our heart. That's what it is. Your heart wants to sing. Your heart wants to be joyful. Right? And that heart is not singing, or even if it sings, the acoustics of that room of your heart needs to be dealt with. Right? And she says that, uh, does God need to tear down some walls, clean, clear out some rubbish, haul away some wreckage, clean out some corners? She's asking these questions. She's saying, like, be, be, be clear with that, consciously uh, make an attempt, right? If we're not careful, our hearts can become like a double-sided tape. Right? It's going to pick up the stuff from outside as well as it's going to pick up the stuff from inside. And that, you know, and that's what we need to, we just need to get that. And uh, yesterday, I, I felt so good in that room um, to see how these guys were just taking the junk out of their heart, being real in front of their kids, you know. And... Um, and in another situation, this guy uh, this week, I mean, again, like I said, that you know, if you are a mechanic, and, and uh, that's what God's reminding me right now, if you're a mechanic, why are you complaining about the broken car? You know, so you, that's what you're going to get. You know, the guys are coming and telling you stories. Right? God's never, like, a, you know, uh, duped by our outward appearance. He, we are like an open book, you know. Um, and so he's interested in cleaning our hearts. Here is one situation where Mary and Martha and the brother Lazarus, right? And um, 
Jesus was not too far away from them. So Mary or Martha, I don't remember, they send a message to Jesus. Um, Bible doesn't record it that much of that message. But Jesus knew about that uh, brother of theirs sick, right? Because there is a reference to that one. We told you to come. If you were here, my brother wouldn't have been dead, right? And Jesus could have come two days before. He could have come before his death. He could have done something, right? But he's dead and he's locked, uh, you know, he's put away. It's been four days now, right? And when he came, he saw Mary's cry, and the Bible says he was moved with compassion, right? And then he comes, and they're pulling him to the graveyard. In those days, right, they normally have like a graveyard, not like it today. You can actually, you know, send the body through the cremation, and out comes like a, a dust that you can actually put it in a can and give it to somebody, right? In those days, it was just like, a, even today, in so many countries, the same way, they buy this lot where they actually have these bodies just like wrapped up with like things and then keep them inside, right? Um, because they all believe in the incarnation and the new birth and all these things are, are still very practiced in the Middle East areas and the eastern part of the uh, world. Now, Jesus comes. He's deeply moved. And the first thing he says to the people, take away the stones. Move the stones. Because when they put the body in, they put a stone outside. And he says, remove the stones or move the stones. You know? And Martha says, Lord, I know he stinks. Right? Uh, and the sister of the dead man, it says, it has already been four days. She's informing God about something he already knew, right? <laughs> it's been four days. It's not like God doesn't know what's there in our heart. It's not like we need to tell God, that, God, when I was there on June 17, 2020, that I did this. You don't need to that. He knows what's there in our heart. And when God says, like, open up, you know, he needs our heart to be open for, for him to do the heart surgery. Because if we are tight and if we are not honest, if we are not open to him, how can he work in your heart and my heart? And there's so much of junk. Every one of us, no one is clean, no one's perfect. Every one of us have this thing, right? We, we build up this clutter inside I'm just praying, God, get to the subject, Cyril. <laughs> you, you worked on us last week on this. We already got this, you know. This week, I want to work on like a pride. Uh, is one of those things that we stuff inside, right? Uh, how do you know that we have this pride in us? Look at the group picture that you take. The first thing that you look at the group picture is not your friend. <laughs> it's you. And if the picture may have everybody, 15 people in the picture, everybody looks good except you, 
that doesn't look good or you didn't smile right or your hair is not in the right place, you know. And the first thing that comes to your mind is that, oh, this picture is not good. <laughs> Why? Because, you know, we always think so high of ourselves and ourselves is not come right in the picture, right? And the pride is this, this is this hat the heart's attitude towards what we see, you know, that motivates us, that gives us the decision-making and the, every activity that we do is just circles around it, you know, it's the root. That's what the, one of the writers said, it's the root of nearly every problem we struggle with. If we take every problem that we have, like bitterness, to anger, to frustration, to everything, if we take the root of it, it's the pride. Right? And David, you know, he wrote in this song, this is the guy, man after God's own heart, right? Um, and he's, he's telling God, this is a beautiful uh, chapter, Psalm 139. If you get a chance to read Psalm 139, I highly recommend everyone to take a time to read it. In this chapter, he starts about saying, God, where can I go from you? If I go to the deeper part of the sea, you're there. If I just like raise myself to the tallest part, you're there. If I just like, where can I go from you, God? And then halfway through, he says, in verse 23, this is where I want to pause for a second. He says, search me. My goodness. It's almost like, you know, examine me. He's just like a giving a free ticket to God. Right? Search me, God. I know my heart. I don't know whether I will have that kind of like a boldness to tell God, God, go ahead. I'm open. Go ahead. Search my heart. Right? Test me. Really. It's almost like a running an MRI over your heart, you know. And just like, you know, so already he knows enough about us, and he's saying, go ahead, test me now, you know. Put your hands in there and know my anxious thoughts, right? See if there is any offense way in me and lead me in the way everlasting, right? There is like a three practical things that David's talking about here. The first thing that he's doing is like a, he's just asking God courageously. Right? Will we do that? You know, and that's something that I want to challenge each of us. If if we have the courage to tell God, God, go ahead. Let me open my heart. Search my heart. Test me. Right? Run some blood tests on my heart. You know, and just like a conduct some, you know, some. Internal, you know, um, um, that's the term that they use, like excavation, right? God, do that, like an archaeological search on my heart, you know. Do that, God, you know. There are things that, are, you know, I put in there, right? It's just like a very brave, like, a, you know, we're constantly, you know, um, you know, stuff things, not only in the heart, but in our mind, uh, especially I have this bad attitude of like uh, um, 
if I made a decision of someone that has done wrong, it would take me years before I would correct that situation. You know, I, I somehow formed this idea of this person saying, he's this, you know. And that's just like a clutter in my head, and I pray that God just like a clean that place out, you know. Really, I, I, I just don't care whether this person is this way or not, you know, but somehow I just like I put myself through that one, right? And so, you know, um, that God, God wants to hear from us all these things. He's fully aware of what goes on in the deeper parts, you know. He knows that humiliating experience. He knows those shameful family functional or dysfunctional things, the quirky things that happen in our families. It's not like, a, you know, he's not aware, you know. A, you know, he's just like a deeply ingrained in our fears. He's deeply ingrained in our sin. He's deeply ingrained in our bad habits and the hormonal changes. You really don't need to tell God what those are. He knows. And uh, he gets it. We just don't need to prove anything, disprove. And so how do I overcome that part? How do I overcome? It's, it's just like asking God, search me, God. Test me, God. That's just a honest conversation. Prayer, I've heard like last week, uh, uh, Ms. Katina say, the posture of our prayer, right, the posture of uh, our humbleness, so the humility, right, uh, is is asking God to knock down the doors uh, and and answer the prayers that are just like a, something that we have left inside inside our heart that is just like a prideful. Also, this is when you're dealing with the pride. Here's the very very important thing that everybody should get to. Um, this is like a stunt that we see on TV, right? Sometimes you see the stunt like uh, on theaters and TVs. They'll put a caption at the bottom that says, uh, don't try it at home. <laughs> don't, uh, you know, this is done by professionals. Right? Don't try this at home by yourself, right? Uh, don't play with that fire, right? And so this, Pride cannot be dealt with our own strength. You need to bring God into that picture and let God help you to clean that clutter and the debris of our heart. Because if we try to do this with our own strength, we're going to fail. That's why I really love this 139 Psalm, that 23 verse. He's actually asking God to deal with that. He's saying, God, search me, please. I cannot go. I, I've he says in the earlier part of that chapter, he says, oh, my God, this knowledge is too hard for me to fathom. God, that you're there everywhere. I cannot deal with this. Right? He says that this knowledge is too big for me to even comprehend. Right? He has an ability to change our heart and the posture of our heart, and we need to allow him. The second thing, first is asking God. 
to get involved in that, right? The second part is like uh, we need to listen uh, to God, right? Uh, David not only asked to hear, but he says, uh, see if there is any offensive way in me. He's asking God to just like, uh, you know, God, I'm not able. Sometimes we think we're living a good life. Sometimes we're in this posture, we believe that I don't have anything wrong in me. I'm, I'm really a good person. I am going to prison ministry. I'm doing all these things. I'm a homeless. I'm going and dealing with the homeless ministry. I'm dealing with it. I'm a good person, God, you know. I mean, we need to tell God, like sometimes we need to have this conversation and listen to God and say, God, is there anything in me that it needs to be dealt with? God, I just—I don't know. I think, you know, of myself as a rightful person. You know, we always think like when something wrong happens, we are on the right side of the wrong. And sometimes we may not be on the right side of the wrong. And we also need God's opinion on that, not our opinion. We need God's opinion at the core of it, right? Here's, here's another way to picture this. Um, have you ever asked a question or uh, have somebody, has ever somebody asked you a question that you didn't want to answer? <laughs> right? In fact, you know, you, when somebody asks that question, you really want to bite their head off and just like, <laughs> you know, uh, you you want that to be, uh, uh, you know, you really, you know, don't want to answer that question. Really, they're asking something that you're deeply conflicted with. And all of a sudden, they're asking the right question to you, and you really don't want to answer that question. And God will do that to you. God will do that to me, Right? And if we choose, like a David, to declutter our hearts, uh, he will do that. And uh, this week, uh, uh, the, the practically, I was telling this guy, he was throwing so much at me, and I did not have like a full way, breadth, length, and width to minister to this guy, right? So my n- normal resort is for them to, think through their problems so they can actually answer their own question because this is how, you know, these shrinks are making money, right? So, <laughs> so I just like a lot of <laughs> You know, so I told him, think about five people in your life that is important to you. I want everybody to think about, like later in the day, if you get a chance, I want you to think about five people that you absolutely, absolutely have a high regard for in your life. You may have 10, you may have 15, but uh, let me tell you, stick with the five, okay, for what I'm going to ask you to do. Five people. And invite them to your 80th birthday. In fact, I told this guy, let's do it even better. Invite him for your funeral, these five people, and just write down 
what would they say as a eulogy to you? Right? Write down. What would they say? Oh, my husband was just a loving person. My wife always listened to me. My kids, um, you know, will always, you know. The, the, the thing is that I want those five people to say, what would they say in your funeral? Well, they have just this happy dance over your body and just say, like, what would they say? If they're dancing, in India, the funeral is just like such an amazing experience to watch. Their children will be dancing before. Uh, there will be a band going in the front, and the kids and the family members will be dancing, and then the body goes on the streets, and people are walking. Right? And in that moment, what would they say about you? That's why I said, don't pick 10, 15 people, because it's not easy for you to write for 10, 15 people. Write for the five. Take time to do that one, right? And then I told this guy, write down what would God say in your funeral about your life. If God looked at, because he's the only one who can look at the entire span of your 90 years or 100 years of your life, right? He knows. He's the only one who knows. Nobody knows about your life like a God does. What would God say about you in your funeral? Right? And I told him, if this is not what God is saying today. I'm asking you to write down what you want God to say in your funeral. And if you live the rest of your life from here to your funeral, would he say what he said, you want him to say, or do you want to change something in the middle so he will say what you want him to say? And what can you do now to change that perspective of God? If you die today, you know, what you wrote in that paper, God may not say that, but God has given you an ability to change your lifestyle today so that when you get to that point, can you do something today that will change God's way of thinking about you to say what you really want him to say? Right? In this journey of that kind of a lifestyle, you may want to write down and say, God, this week I'm going to do these five things. Because you know what you want God to say. I'm going to do these things. Let me, un, you know, unwind this for me, God, because I really cannot unwind myself from this. Can you please unwind myself so that actually I will have a much better rhythm of my heart and the people who hear from my heart will have a better acoustics of my heart. Right? And then... You know, he's a master pruner. He will do. Uh, and that's what um, is a beautiful part about this journey. Uh, even to those fathers, they said like yesterday, nine out of ten fathers will never be able to come. But that's not people to decide. 
it's for my God to decide. You know, for them to get in or get out. It is because he allowed them. So he's going to gently but persistently going to unwind your heart and take those frightful things out of your heart and my heart. And he gives us this um, enormous amount of, like, uh, you know, grace. Can you imagine? God could have just, like, wiped this entire earth right now, but he's not doing it. If God decided to wipe out the church today, he can. He's not going to do it. Why he's so graceful, he's going to come. So the first thing is we are asking God to get involved. The second thing is we need to listen to God, what he's saying to us about this thing that we are dealing with inside. These are like things that God's going to say, the uncomfortable things God's going to bring you to. We need to allow God to do that. And number three, we need to get deeper with God. Right? David says that in that psalm, the third part that we learn from him is uh, lead me into the way of everlasting. Right? If you like me, um, you know, God says like you and I are like a sheep without a shepherd sometimes, right? We need God to just lead us. The sheep has this characteristic of like a following Lord is falling in the going in the front, you know. And uh, there was a guy who took a picture. He went to Palestine, and he was just like so amazed by Psalm 23. And so he was out there taking pictures from a distance, and he just ran into this sheep that were going to the water, right? And so he was like, my God, this is like a Psalm 23, like a lead me besides the still water It was going in his head. Right? So he wanted to take that picture, and he sees this bunch of sheep that are standing in the, in the front drinking the water. And there were like a bunch of sheep on the second layer and third layer. Right? They are butting their heads to the sheep that is standing in the front, and they're waiting. Instead of going around it and taking the water, they're just like a waiting, butting their heads while the sheep in the front is not moving and just drinking and drinking and drinking the water. We are like that sheep, right? Sometimes we cannot move around and think outside like what God can do, think or do. That's why I was saying... Like a, this is like a stunt that you cannot try it at home all by yourself. You need to let God do that part for us. And this week we are studying on this Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verses 1 through 3. Paul has talked about all the things, the first three chapters of Ephesians. And then he says, as a prisoner in the Lord, I urge you to walk in the manner worthy of the calling you have received with all humility, gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. All these four things, humbleness, gentleness, patience, and bearing with one another, that is something that is uh, an absolute necessity in our life. And in order for us 
to get the pride out of ourselves. We need to humble ourselves. We need to be gentle with people. And we need to have patience to forgive others. And we also need to know how to bear one another in love. Right? And, and this is like, a, you know, um, only God can do in your heart and my heart. You know, um, if, if um, he can speak to the waves and bring peace, then he can speak to that murmuring heart that's cluttered right now. Right? He can bring that into order. He, he, as long as we surrender to him to do this job, believing that he's, he's eternally, you know, knowledgeable and eternally faithful, eternally magnificent to take care of our things, he will do that. That's how I want to land the plane today. You know, when we get to that part of being humble, that's the antidote for pride, humility, humbleness. That humbleness or humility is not that we need to put ourselves low like a, a, a mat everybody can step on. Uh, that's a state of mind that we need to see ourselves as what God sees us. We need to see ourselves as victorious people. We need to see ourselves as someone that God sees to, to do certain things. Right? And knowing that everything comes from God, even the, the salary that we received, yeah, you went to work, but... A lot of people work, but what you got out of the work is something God gave it to you. It's a gift. When the Holy Spirit manifests himself through you in, in advising somebody or prophesying about the future, about like what is happening in your life, uh, we need to not... Sometimes what happens is like it's, it's just a huge danger like uh, when we go into prison and minister, right? We just think that uh, we came up with this idea. You know, we think that, uh, oh, we with all the wisdom, we just like uh, did all these things, you know. It, it's like uh, yielding ourselves to the Holy Spirit so he can do what he can through you, uh, through me, you know. And so um, we need to, you know, uh, allow that Holy Spirit to just like uh, intertwine. The Bible says in several places, uh, His Spirit intertwines with our spirit in First Corinthians. And what would come out of it is just such a beautiful experience. Right? And that uh, He says, Jesus says, uh, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? Right? The humility is just like the, the antidote of pride measures everything. It measures the stroke of our ego. It measures 
you know, the things that we do to others, you know, when you are humble in your heart, you're just going to see things like how God would see in people. That pride will have no place. And Philippians chapter 2, verses 3, Paul says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. Right? You should just like open the door. Search me, God. See if there is anything that I'm not seeing that is there in that. Make me like you. And I just, you know, pray that we will allow God to deal with our pride in a way that we we would just like, you know, be open with him, honest with him, raw with him. Tell God, you know, that you want to know what he would say about you on your funeral. It's Katina. Amen. The one thing that comes to mind um, is that this is a daily practice. This is a daily ritual. It's almost like um, dying to yourself daily, picking up your cross daily. This is not a one and a done type situation. Every day we should be seeking God in humility and crying out to him as David did and asking him to do these three things that Pastor Cyril mentioned. But I did want to start off with a really quick story. And I remember um, earlier this year, I went to have a physical. And um, with that physical, it also came lab work. And the lab work revealed that my A1C level um, for, um, to detect uh, diabetes was uh, elevated. And um, I asked my doctor, I said, okay, well, what should I do? And she said, well, you need to do this, you need to do that, you need to cut this out of your diet, you cut that out of the diet. Well, it was everything that I liked, right? <laughs> and so I love bread. I, you know, I'm a coffee drinker, so I would use white granulated sugar in my coffee every day. And I love desserts and all of those things. And I realized that those things were no longer good for me, that if I wanted to bring down my uh, A1C level and not put myself at risk of being diabetic one day, there were some changes that I needed to do. And this, this pride reminds me of that. It reminds me of those things that my doctor was saying, they're not good for your inside, they're not good for your body, and you need to not do those things. You cannot eat of those things. You cannot partake of those things because there is an end result, and the end result is probably, you know, having to take insulin and, and other health issues that come along with that. So big pride is similar to that. You know, there is an end result. And the end result is that it draws you further and further and further away from God and closer and closer and closer to the enemy. And there's a cost. There is a, a and it's very pricey. So we don't want to put ourselves in a in a position where we don't start to make some adjustments and some changes in our lives and uh, try to deal with this pride, right? Because that's the root. That's the the, the heart. If you can think of a heart being this this heart figure, and then if you look at the very bottom where that tip of that heart is, you know, at the foundation of it all, that's that pride. That's that thing that if you don't deal with it because it's the foundation of everything, you know, it, it creates a, a instability. 
and it creates, um, you know, unstate, un, um, instability, and it creates a, a, a home and, and it creates a temple that is just not conducive to fruits of the spirit and growing in God, right, and allowing him to be able to use us to be able to get his mission accomplished here in humanity. So um, so just think about that. Think about that, both prideful things, you know, and um, uh, Pastor Cyril uh, talked about that pride is the heart's attitude towards us that make us react the way that we do. So, again, I think about that, that A1C thing, you know, all of those things, the desserts and the bread and the sugar and all of those things. Those are the things that make me react to eat the things that are really bad for me. So now I think about pride in that way, you know, the same way how I was going through the grocery store and I would be like, nope, I can't pick you. You can't go home with me because you're not good for me. I have to do the same type of thing with pride. I got to know that I cannot pick up those things that are no longer good for me. They're no longer good for the growth and no longer good for the relationship that I'm trying to achieve with God. They're, They're just not. And God has given us the ability to change our lifestyle today. So that's that, 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 that wonderful thing about his grace, right? It is just immeasurable. And, um, and because of it, he has given us the ability today with this message at reminding us how graceful he really is and to remind us that we have the ability to change today. We have the ability to start today. So we don't want to miss out on this opportunity we have to actually talk to God, right? We've got to tell him, you know, because he already knows what those things are. So we might be able to come clean, right? There's nothing that we can hide from him. We might be able to hide from people, but we can't hide from the mighty God because he already knows us inside and out. So, you know, we have to allow God to search us and to know what our, what our anxious thoughts are. So let's just go before him just like David, you know, and ask God courageously. You know, go before him and say, God, you know, I, I'll come before you. I bow and make this thing because I know these people already know those that are just harboring themselves inside my heart, those prideful things, but I no longer want to be like this. So I'm coming to you, God, and I'm asking you courageously to help me with this thing because I realize that I can't do it on my own. I need your strength in order to be able to do this. I need you to strengthen me so that my heart can be changed, so that my heart posture can begin to be stronger in you, oh God, because I cannot do this thing. I am nothing without you. I can be nothing without you. You are the source of strength. And this strength is not to be taken lightly because it's a gift. It is a gift that he gives us that should be cherished, a gift that should be respected because we can't do any of these things on our own. I remember when I was, you know, out there doing any and everything, participating in any and everything, and I always would be like, oh, after this, I'm not going to do it again tomorrow. After this, I'm no longer going to do it. God, if you get me through this, I'll never, no longer do it. Guys sang that song for years, for decades. It was just like just doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result until I allowed God to seek my heart, to search my heart, and he saw something that he was apparently pleasing unto him. And before I realized that he gave me the strength, he performed the heart transplant on me that I needed to strengthen me to be able to walk away from some of those things. Not all of them, because I'm a work in progress, but there are some things that, you know, I just cannot associate myself with, and I thank him for the strength. So we've got to ask God courageously to help us with strengthen this gift that is free today and help us with this thing. And then we got to listen to God. 
Because you know when you go to him and you ask him for something, he's going to be honest with you. So ask him. You know, you gotta, we ask him, so then we got to listen to him and allow him to not only tell us what it is, but if, you, if he tells you along with that, that telling, he's going to actually allow you to feel that thing. So whatever those areas of pride are, he's going to allow you to start feeling uncomfortable in that situation. So before you're able to act on those things, you're going to start to think about those things, and you're going to start to feel a form of conviction, a form of uncomfortability. That's when we need to pay attention to those areas because we've already asked him courageously. So when we're listening to him, he's going to allow us to, to hear him, and he's going to allow us to feel what those things are that we need to be putting down. And then we've got to go deeper with God, right? We have to let the good shepherd lead us on a path of righteousness, right? Because that's what the word says, you know, in Psalm 23. You know, we should be getting to the place where it's so uncomfortable that we know we don't even want to tamper with that. I'm not even going to touch that because I already know what that conviction feels like. I know what that unrest feels like. I know I'm not messing with that today. That's the point where God wants us to get to with that pride. That's the place right there. And it's then in that place, in that moment, that we start thinking before we react, and then we don't we make a conscious choice to not do our own will, but let others will be done. And that place will bring you peace. So in closing, God's grace is immeasurable. And he wants to unwind our hearts. He wants to start dealing with the pride that's in our heart. He wants to unwind the heart so that we can bear more fruit, more fruit of the spirit. And when we bear those fruits, we are agile enough to allow God to mold us into the person that he's already designed us to be, the person that he knows is going to be obedient unto doing whatever it is that he's ordering us to do. He wants us to make it. He wants us to be able to be more gentle with ourselves and with other people, more patient with ourselves and other people, and to bear one another in love, even bear ourselves in love. So allow God to search your heart and to know your anxious thoughts so that he can get the glory and the praise Pastor Sarah. Sorry, um, no, I was trying to find the unmute button. Thank oh, okay. you. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, you know, uh, I'm in total agreement with uh, as as Miss Katina was just like a, you know talking through this. It's just like a, you know this is one of those areas that uh, you know we have to be honest with ourselves as we go into uh, the communion. It's a perfect place to begin that conversation. As, as we go through the communion prayer, I'm going to pause there, and we may not have, like, a, enough time for everybody to just, like, bring everything that's there in your chest. But at the same time, if you can just, like, a put a token in God's mind saying, God, I'm ready. I'm ready for you to search my heart. I'm ready for you to have your um, actions and your plan to recover me from this situation that I'm in. Lord Jesus, we bow before you in humility 
and I ask you to examine our hearts. Amen. Chose anything that is not pleasing to you. Reveal any secret pride, any unconfessed sin, any rebellion, unforgiveness, that may be hindering our relationship with you. We know that you, we are the beloved children of yours, Lord. We receive, we've been received into our hearts and our lives, Father God. And we gave our life to you. And when you gave your life for us, Father God, we are in this with you, Father God. And you are in this with us. God, as we take this bread representing your life, it's broken for us. We remember and celebrate your faithfulness to us. I thank you so much for this extravagant love that we cannot even comprehend or say. Father God, today as we take this bread, Father God, we are open for you to go into areas so you can clean us out. There's so much junk that we have cluttered ourselves with. But today, Father God, we pray that you will have access to our heart. We will open ourselves to you. And pause there for a moment. I want you to speak to the Father. And, I, and this has to be a personal commitment. Do that before you take the breath. In the same way, we take this cup representing your blood. Order from the splendid cross. That you are the supreme sacrifice for all of our sins, past, present, and future. Today we remember and celebrate the precious gift. Life you gave us through the blood you spilled. Let's take a drink in remembrance. Father, we are so thankful for who you are in our life and what you have done. As we take this journey with you, Father God, help us. Help us as we, Father God, surrender our heart into your hands. Father God, anything that we can do, we are absolutely willing. But Father God, this is you your nail pierced hand in our heart and heal everybody on this line. There are areas in our life, Father God, that we have hurt somebody with our prideful act. If so, Father God, we are so sorry and apologizing to that person, whoever that is. Father God, we pray that you will heal their heart as we touch our heart, Father God, anything that we said through our mouth, Father God, that hurt somebody, 
Father God, bring that to the nullification that we've lost, Father God, by freed from that stronghold. We surrender ourselves and your videos. We take the glory of them. Jesus, let me pray. Father, for your glory. Everyone, have an amazing day, and we will come back um, next week. Have a good one, everyone. Bye, everyone. Bye.